book of Philippians. Um, let's go to Philippians chapter 3. And um, there are a lot of things that the Lord is speaking to us, uh, has prepared to speak to us from these verses. And so we'll join back in to our study this morning um, out of uh, Philippians, the third chapter. There are, there are times in my life when um, the Lord begins to speak to me concerning us, concerning this family of faith, and um, I just begin to take notes, write notes, dictate notes, and, and um, as I write and, and take those notes and different scriptures that the Lord brings into that, I don't know how to explain it to you other than it's just the Holy Spirit uh, working on our behalf, and, and um, I begin to develop from those notes different points and slides and begin, begin to build sermons um, from that. And um, j just to give you some idea, I, I begin to realize how this thing is growing, and um, not that we'll get to very many of them even this morning, but, but right, as it stands right now, I have over 200 slides um, just out of these verses here um, in Philippians 3. Now, again, <laughs> there are different ways that the Lord confirms things to us, but, you know, more than anything else, this is what he's saying to us right now. Are you, I, don't, I don't ever want you to take that lightly. Um, in other words, if, if, if Father can't speak to us and us hear him and respond, then we're sunk. Amen. I mean, we're, we're in a heap of trouble. Um, if, if we can't hear from God and do what he says, then there's not a whole lot of other ways he has available to him to really help us and really make a difference in our lives. And so I'm just praying this morning um, for you and for me, for us, Amen, that we would have um, eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to receive and understand what it is that he is uh, trying to speak into our lives. As I pointed out to you uh, a couple of Sundays ago, I want to just remind you of it again, that Father always has what's next in mind. In other words, he is wanting to do something in your life today because it needs to be done, because you desire for it to be done. He's wanting to show you some things this morning because there, again, are things that you need to see for now. But he's also, with that, wanting to prepare you and position you, get you ready for what he has prepared next for you. Amen. And so that's why our best days are always still ahead of us. No matter how wonderful things may have been in the past, um, with Jesus as your high priest, with Jesus, can I say it this way, calling the shots, with Jesus calling the shots in your life, your best days are still ahead of you. Amen? Philippians chapter 3, and um, let's begin at verse number 7. Paul says this, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. Verse 8 again, yet indeed I also count all things for the uh, loss, for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Somebody say amen to that. Verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Now, I'm going to 
go deep in my notes this morning, and then I'm going to come back to some things. But I keep being drawn to this. To be honest with you, I thought we would have already covered this by now. And it's like, as the Lord reveals more things to us, I've tended to focus on those things, and some other things have kind of gotten pushed uh, deeper down in the stack, so to speak. And so I want to kind of go down into the stack this morning and pull some things up to the top, and then we'll jump back into this. Is that okay? Now, all of this study began with the idea of new life resolutions. We said that many times when a new year rolls around, um, in honor of that new year, in honor of a fresh calendar, we tend to make resolutions or promises to change or we evaluate what we would like to do different and see uh, perhaps a better outcome in the, in the new year. And so we make resolutions in light of a new calendar. Well, what we see in Philippians 3 are resolutions that the Apostle Paul made, but not in light of a new calendar, not in light of a new year, but in light of the new life that he received in Christ Jesus. In other words, he resolved to do some things. He purposed in his heart to do some things. He, he made some uh, you know, evaluations of his life and his priorities, and he made three things a priority in his life. And those three things are what we find there in verse number 10. He purposed or prioritized that he may know that I may know him, amen, speaking of Jesus, that he may know the power of Jesus' resurrection, and that he may know the fellowship of Jesus' sufferings being conformed to his death. These were Paul's three new life resolutions. Amen. Now again, I want to make sure you got this. You probably already do, but I just want to make sure because we're going to be building a lot of stuff on this moving forward. Paul looked at his life. He evaluated. He counted. Amen. We're going to come back if we have time in a moment and talk about that word counting, counted. Paul said that he counted. And in his counting, he counted some things as loss, right? And he counted some things as gain. In other words, he reevaluated his priorities. He took a long, a long look at his short life, so to speak, in the flesh. And he said, you know what? These are some things that I need to concentrate on more. And these are some things that I need to do away with altogether. He did some counting, right? And in the process, he established some resolutions. And I want you to notice, and, and many times I, I tell folks, when, you, when you're looking to change things in your life, uh, focus on, uh, you know, just a few things. In other words... If you try to change 15 things, amen, um, you get fragmented in your focus and you wind up doing little to nothing. So he made a list, and really, the list is one thing. The list is to know. I want you to, I want you to notice that. He said, I want to know. I'm, I'm going to focus on knowing. Amen. Paul recognized that in all that he knew, there were still some things that he didn't know. Amen? In all that he had experienced, there were still some things that he hadn't experienced. He recognized in all that he had laid hold of, there were still a lot of things that he had not yet laid hold of. Amen? Now, you don't know what you don't know. Amen? You don't know what you don't know. I did this in class on last Monday morning. I want you to do it with me, okay? We do this from time to time. 
Over here on this side of the pulpit, I want you to imagine um, a stack of stuff. And the stack of stuff that you're imagining is the stack of stuff that would include all the things that you know right now. In this stack over here piled up, all the things that you've learned, all the things that you've heard, all the things that you know right here in this stack, all right? Now I want you to come over here to this side of the pulpit with me, and I want you to put up another stack. And in this stack over here is the stack of all the things that you don't know. Amen. Now, if you don't know it, then you don't know what to put in the stack, but again, nonetheless, there's a stack of stuff over here that you don't know yet, that you haven't heard yet, that you haven't experienced yet, that you haven't seen yet, that you haven't tasted yet. Amen. That's the stack of stuff that you don't know. Now, if there's nothing in this stack over here, then Lord help you. Amen. In other words, if you think you know it all, heaven help you, right? Because none of us know it all. None of us have seen it all. None of us have experienced it all. Thank God for what we know, for what we've seen, and for what we've experienced. But I offer to you this morning that what we know, what we've seen, and what we've experienced is but the tip of the iceberg. Amen. In other words, what may be in this stack over here, as precious and as valuable and as life-changing as it may be, amen, and as, as powerful as it may be, praise God, there are still things over here in this stack that are just as powerful, just as life-changing, just as uh, wonderful, and even more so. Amen. Now, so many times we grow just enough in the things of God. We experience just enough of His goodness. We learn just enough of His ways to get some relief in our lives, for things to get a little better in our home, for things to get a little better in our finances, for things to get a little better in our marriages. Please hear me. Please hear me. The Apostle Paul could have rested on his laurels. The Apostle Paul could have reached a point in his life where he just began to phone it in. This was a man who had accomplished many things. This was a man who had a tremendous pile of stuff that he had seen. A tremendous pile of stuff that he had experienced. A tremendous pile of stuff that he knew. But he recognized that there were still things that he did not yet know, that he had not yet seen, that he had not yet experienced. Things that Jesus had paid a tremendous price for him to know and see and experience. Things that we were created by God to know, see, and experience. Amen. And so Paul made a resolution. Paul made a determination. Paul committed himself. Are you hearing me? To know. To know him to know the power of his resurrection, and to know the fellowship of his sufferings. This was what Paul had resolved in his life. Now, I want to give you verse number 10 from the Amplified Version. Amen. My testimony this morning is that I am healed of the Lord. Amen. I appreciate you being in agreement with me. Hallelujah. All right. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10 from the Amplified. It's going to blow it up for you. Amen? This is what Paul was saying. For my determined purpose is that I may know Him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with Him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of His person more strongly and more clearly. 
Am I the only one in here that that does something for right there? Am I the only one in here that that, I don't believe I am. Does that not strike a chord somewhere in your heart? Is there not something inside of you that says yes and amen to that? Is there not something inside of you that, that, that cries out for that? One more time, he says, my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly, and that I may in that same way, in other words, the same way that he progressively becomes more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving, recognizing, and understanding the wonders of his person, he says, in that same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection, which it exerts over believers. I'm going to get too far ahead of myself here. But the power, we sang about it this morning. We are alive because he is alive. We live because he lives. The power of his resurrection was not just the power that brought Jesus out of death, hell, and the grave. But the power of his resurrection here, as the Amplified Version so beautifully communicates, is the power now that his resurrection has, the influence that it now has, the power that it exerts over you and me now, over your life now. Let me say it another way. The difference that his resurrection makes in my life and in your life on a daily basis. Paul resolved to know it. He resolved to know it progressively. He resolved to know it experientially. And that I may so share his sufferings as to be continually transformed in spirit into his likeness, even to his death, in the hope that if possible, I may attain to the spiritual and moral resurrection that lifts me out from among the dead, even while in the body. And we pointed this out last week, so I don't want to spend a lot of time on it more. Are you still with me? Oh my goodness, I'm so excited about this right here. What he's saying here in verse 11 is not that after we die, we will one day be raised up to, to go to heaven. We talked about this Wednesday night. When a born-again believer dies, the Bible says this tent, this earthly body, this earth suit, we step out of that into a glorified body that's prepared for us in heaven. Now one day the earthly body is going to be brought out of the grave and it's going to be redeemed in the sense, but you're not going to ever put that thing back on. Or you understand what I'm saying? So the Apostle Paul is not talking about the resurrection from the dead at the last trump, if you will. He says that he may aspire or attain or go after this even while in the body. In other words, he's talking about living the resurrected life, the glorified life in this present life. Not, till we, not waiting till we get to heaven to walk on streets of gold and live it there, but living the resurrected life. Romans 6 says it this way, you were raised up together with Jesus to newness of life. So the Apostle Paul is talking about aspiring to walk out in this life the newness of life that he's already received because of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Amen? Are you still with me? Now, I want to, again, point out to you 
these three resolutions. And the word no here is critical. Amen? And I often mention this. I'm, I'm not trying to confuse you. I'm not trying to impress you. I'm not trying to, you know, try to sound all super educated or something like that. That's not why we go back to the original Greek language. But sometimes when a word is translated from Greek to English, we take what we know about the English version of it and think that's what the Bible is saying to us. And when we go back to the original language, we see that there are multiple Greek words that are translated into our singular English word, no. Each with a different type of meaning, each with a different depth of meaning. That's why the Amplified Version reads so much different, if you will, from the New King James Version that we read first. It's because the Amplified Version is trying to, to dig into the original language and bring that full meaning out for you. It's, it's, it's trying to take that... that um, you know, if you've ever looked at an at a Amplified Bible... Um, it's almost twice as thick as a, uh, a regular King James or, or New King James Bible. It's because the words, again, have been amplified so that you can benefit from what these words meant in their original language, in their original application. So the word no here, again, this is what the Apostle Paul said he was going after. Let's stop for a moment. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul says to the church that he ceased not to pray for them, continually making mention of them in his prayers, that God would give to each and every one of them a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God that they may know and from there he's prayed that, that you and I, that we would know what is the hope of God's calling, that we would know what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, that we would know what is the power of his resurrection, the exceeding greatness of his power that's working in the same power that was on display when Jesus was raised from the dead. I'm not here to preach and teach on that this morning. But what I'm, what I'm trying to get you to see is that the Holy Spirit through Paul revealed to him and through him that one of the most important things that we could ever pray and ask God for is knowledge. Again, you don't know what you don't know, but guess who does know what you don't know? The Holy Spirit knows what you don't know. The Holy Spirit knows what you don't know and He knows what you don't know and yet need to know in order to take the next steps forward in your life. Now, if we were to dig all the way back into the Old Testament, we would again see God emphasizing the importance of knowledge from Him. Hosea 4.6 says that God's people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. 
Not for a lack of faith. Not for a lack of fellowship. Not for a lack of whatever else. But a lack of knowledge. See, you have faith. God gave you faith. But faith without the right knowledge is going to be limited at best. Faith without any knowledge concerning faith is going to be basically of little to no value in your life. So it's one thing to have faith. It's another thing to know what to do with the faith that you have. Are you following what I'm saying here? He went on to say to those in the Old Testament that to reject knowledge from God was the same as rejecting God Himself. In other words, when you reject what God is trying to teach you, you have in reality rejected Him and His efforts to help you. Isaiah 5 and 13. God once again speaking to His people. He says that my people are trapped. They're in bondage. They're caught up in life-controlling behaviors. My people have gotten caught up in situations that they can't seem to break free from. They keep going around the same mountain time and time again. They keep making the same resolutions every new year to do better financially, to do better in their health or what have you. He says, my people are caught up in this vicious cycle of bondage because of what? A lack of knowledge. He went on to say that his mighty men are famished with a hunger that can't be satisfied and a thirst that cannot be quenched because of a lack of knowledge. Father has so much more for us. That's not a statement of ingratitude. Here at Heritage, we've now for almost 20 years said good things coming. And over the years, I've had people remind me that good things are here, and you keep on reminding me that good things are here. I'm going to keep on reminding you that there are good things coming. For too long, we have come to a place in our lives where we've been satisfied with the good things that are, that are and have become stagnant. And those good things that are became good things that were. The good things that are became good things that were. And those good things that were became stale in our lives. And next thing you know, we're talking about what God used to do. And how things used to be. And what we used to see. And what we used to experience. And we've lost sight of this God who has more for us than we've ever seen, than we've ever dreamed, than we've ever imagined. We lose sight of this God who's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ever ask, think, or imagine. This God who has prepared things for you that are beyond your wildest dreams. 1 Corinthians 2 speaks of these things. So again, it's not a statement of, of ingratitude. It's not, it's not a statement of 
you know, being spoiled. It's not a statement of, you know, well, Pastor, are you not thankful? Are you not happy? You're not satisfied with what you have seen? What you have? Yes, I'm very thankful, very, very blessed. And I guess in some ways we could use the word satisfied. Amen. But there is also conjoined with that satisfaction a holy dissatisfaction in the sense that there is still so much more for us to lay hold of, still so much more for us to do. Jesus said that His Father was always working. Jesus said that His Father was always busy. And the one thing we know about the kingdom is that the kingdom is always advancing. The kingdom is always advancing. Amen. And He wants you and me to advance with it. And when we reach a point of satisfaction, without realizing it, we either slow our forward progress or it stalls out altogether. And the next thing you know, the kingdom is advancing without us. God is moving ahead. And we have become out of step with Him. We have fallen out of sync, out of step with Him. So when we say good things coming, it's a battle cry. When we say good things coming, it's a reminder that while we are so thankful for where we've come from, and we are so thankful for what God has done and what He is doing, that what He is doing now is preparing us for what He desires to do in you and through you and with you and for you in the future. Jesus is the high priest of good things to come. And He is calling us to a higher place this morning. His call in your life, my friend, is an upward call. He's calling you to a better marriage. He's calling you. You say, I've got a good marriage. Thank God you've got a good marriage. He's got a better one for you. He's got a better one for you. Say, Pastor, when I came to this church, I was broke, but I'm blessed now. I got a job now. I got a car now. I got a home now. I'm so thankful. He's got something even better for you. You say, more money, Pastor, that sounds like greed. No, it doesn't sound like greed. How can it be greed when there's so much need? There are other people who are in need. There are other people who need help. It costs money to preach this gospel in the far reaches of this planet. Amen. Amen. He has more for you. More for you. I'm not ashamed to tell you that. I'm not embarrassed to tell you that. God knows my motives in my heart when I tell you that. It's not about you and me becoming richer and, 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 and fatter. And that's, no, 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 that's not what it's about. It's about Him increasing you so that you can increase others and see the kingdom increasing and see a difference being made in the lives of other people. It's one of the major milestones of spiritual growth. It's, it's this truth that you can only grow so far with other people doing things for you. When we're first born again, we need somebody to teach us. We need somebody to prepare a bottle for us. We need somebody to hold that bottle in our mouths. In other words, as, as we grow physically, as we develop and mature physically, we begin helpless in need of someone to do everything for us. But as we grow and develop and mature, we begin to be able to do more and more things for ourselves. 
But one of the key defining moments in anyone's life is when we go from doing, having done for us, doing for ourselves, to actually doing for others. Where we begin to serve someone else, help someone else, be a blessing to someone else. The Apostle Paul recognized what was very clear throughout Scripture. Forward progress was dependent upon more knowledge from heaven. More understanding from heaven. We've said it a few times this morning, you don't know what you don't know. What you don't know is what's keeping you from where you want to go. Amen. And Father knows that. He's wanting to teach you. He's wanting to reveal it to you. It's of great interest to me because Paul obviously was a great apostle. But his heart was for Jesus and his heart was for the church and his heart was for people who did not yet know Jesus. Are you understand what I'm saying? As a pastor, you can learn so much from other pastors. And, and when you see how the Apostle Paul strategically prayed for the church, you think of all the things that people needed, all the things that people wanted, all the issues, all the problems, all the brokenness, all the bondage, all the addiction, all the confusion... You look at all the physical need, healing, on and on. Yet the thing that the Apostle Paul prayed for the most for the churches was knowledge. Because he knew that included in the riches that God has invested in you was healing. He knew that what belonged to us already was healing. And that in order for us to walk in that healing and ultimately minister that healing to other people, it was going to require an understanding of that, a knowledge of that in our own lives. In other words, we were going to have to come to the knowledge of it for ourselves. And so he prayed that. He prayed consistently that these folks would have knowledge. Amen. All right, I'm about out of time. Let me do this. I tried to take these um, resolutions from the Apostle Paul and, and break them down. They're a little wordy, um, but I tried to break them down into, into three statements. I don't know if sentences is right. If it's sentence, it's a, it's a run-on sentence, but let's, um, let's do it. Paul said this, for my determined purpose is to become progressively more deeply and intimately acquainted with Jesus, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. That was the first thing he determined. That was the first thing that he purposed. 
That was the first thing that he prioritized in his life. I want you to think about that now. I got good news for you. This is not only available to you, it's your Heavenly Father's greatest desire for you to know Him. He wants you to know Him. And He has gone to great measures and to great personal expense to make it possible for you to know Him. If humility is the master key to all that God has, amen, we talked about that last year, then this, what's expressed in this one statement here is perhaps the culmination of our whole reason for being is to know Him. Amen, is to know Him. If you gain everything else this world has to offer but never know Him, help us, Jesus. Number two, Paul said, For my determined purpose is to become progressively, more deeply, and intimately acquainted with the power of Jesus' resurrection, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the impact of His resurrection upon my life and daily victory, more strongly and more clearly. That's what he's saying here. He recognized that Jesus' resurrection from the dead was not just to secure His eternal destination, but it was to provide for His daily victory in life in every area of His life. And His determined purpose was to know that. The third one I think is where a lot of people get confused. We'll spend some more time on this in the future. The third one was this. For my determined purpose is to become progressively more deeply and intimately acquainted with the fellowship of Jesus' sufferings, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the impact of His sufferings upon my life reality and the magnitude of benefit and privilege His sufferings have made available to me. So many people look at this verse, and especially this part of this verse, this number three life resolution that Paul made, and they think that it's meaning what Paul suffered as persecution because of his faith in Jesus. Paul called that a light affliction, not to be compared with the sufferings of Jesus. Furthermore, the Bible says Jesus suffered once and for all. In other words, Jesus' sufferings are not ongoing. Are you following me? So when Paul says, I want to, to know the fellowship of his sufferings, he's not talking about him suffering. He's talking about the magnitude of benefit and privilege that now belongs to him because Jesus suffered. For instance, the Bible says Jesus became poor. He suffered poverty so that you could become rich. Jesus suffered being separated from His Father so that you could be made one with Him. 
Jesus suffered His body being broken so that we could come together as one body in Christ. Jesus suffered thorns upon His head so that you could benefit from the renewing of your mind. Jesus took stripes upon His back. He suffered stripes upon His back so that you could experience the benefit of healing in your body. This is the fellowship of His sufferings. And this was what Paul said. Knowing was his determined purpose. Knowing was his determined purpose. Singers and musicians, if you please come. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. One of the um, enjoyable challenges for me is to take all these parts and pieces and try with the Holy Spirit to, to put this together in a, in a form, in a package that's, that's understandable, that's presentable, but also that's appealing. I think a lot of you in here know um, my love for cooking. And um, I believe that preaching and cooking are very similar in, in the sense that both are preparing a meal to be fed or served to others. And, and um, you know, anytime I cook a meal, I'm kind of a picky eater. You know, we, we had privilege of eating with uh, Pastor Wes and Ashley last Sunday and they were taking us to a new restaurant and Pam said what, what, is, what kind of foods does this place serve? I said I don't know but Wes is a pickier eater than me and if he likes it we're going to be alright we're going to be fine and it was delicious by the way brother um, so when I cook a meal for, for folks I try to make sure that there's something that everybody there will like enjoy I mean, I try to do the same with a sermon. You know, try to put different elements in it where, you know, maybe somebody is really in, in, into the Greek language and so they get caught up in that. Other folks, more practical, don't get interested in that. Some folks like stories, what have you. So you again, it's preparing a meal. If you know anything about food, you eat first with your eyes. So you want something to be appealing, Right? See, one of my rules of food is if it stinks, I don't eat it. You say, well, it tastes good. I don't care if, it, if, if my nose says no to it. My mouth will never say yes. I don't care how much you tell me collard greens are good for me and how, you know, it's just, it's, you know, pray for me. I, I'm childish, I guess. Amen. Are you still with me, though? I... I'm a, I've, I've come now three times to the pulpit with a sermon, man. It's so important 
But on the surface, it's not real appetizing. That's what I'm saying. In other words, the Holy Spirit's like saying, just hold off on that now. You, you say it like that, that's going to turn some folks off. So I'm not, I'm not wanting it to, to be unappealing to you. But there's some very important things here. There's some very important things here. This was the statement that we made last week, and I'm going to make it again this morning. You can stand with me, please. We'll pray right now. The Holy Spirit said this to me very clearly. He said, you are as close to God as your desires will allow you to be. You are as close to Him as your desires will allow you to be. Wow. Wow. See, Paul recognized that there was something available to him that he didn't know about yet. He had never seen, heard, or experienced, but it was better than anything he had ever seen, heard, or experienced before. But he also recognized that in order to lay hold of that, he was going to have to turn loose of something else. And that's often where we get stuck, is it not? We want something better, but we don't want to turn loose of something that has already become a part of our lives. That was the counting part. That was the counting part. Amen. I want to pray for you. Father, thank you this morning for every person in this room. Thank you, Father, for the great potential and for the great opportunity that lies within and before each and every one of us. Father, there's all kinds of famous people, or there's folks in here that are into race car driving, and perhaps they would like to meet their, their uh, you know, favorite driver. Folks in here that are fans of music or art or sports, and they would like to meet and become friends with their favorite athlete or their favorite artist or their favorite musician or what have you. Yet, Father, the chances of that ever happening are so slim. Yet, Father, the only thing preventing us from being close and intimate, personal relationship friends with you is our own desires. It really does come down, Father, to how bad do we want it. Or should I say, how bad do we want you? What are we willing to sacrifice to have more of the life you created us to live? Father, this current word from you to us is in some ways, Father, it's different from anything you've said to us and to me it's it's marking a turn, it's marking a a milestone is marking a transition for us here as a family of faith. I thank you, Father, that you've prepared us for this moment. Even those, Father, who maybe this is just their first Sunday or second Sunday, third Sunday, whatever here, Father, you've, you've prepared all of us for this moment. I thank you, Father, that like the Apostle Paul. 
we have a determined purpose, and that is to know you. To know the power of your resurrection and to know the fellowship of your sufferings. To know you deeply, personally, and intimately. To become progressively more and more and more acquainted with you and who you are. It's the secret to life, Father. Because to know you is to have life. Father, I pray for husbands and wives this morning. I pray for moms and dads this morning. Pray for sons and daughters this morning, Lord. I pray for families today. Thank you, Father, that you're doing a new thing in this family of faith. But, Father, it's impossible for you to do a new thing in all of us without doing a new thing in each of us. Thank you, Father. You're helping us to evaluate our lives in ways, Father, that we haven't evaluated them in a long time. Father, that we would not wait for some kind of crisis or some kind of diagnosis or some kind of uh, major life transition to, to evaluate and take inventory, but Father, that we would, with the help and assistance of the Holy Spirit, Father, begin to do that even now in our own hearts and lives. We need to do some counting, Father. And we need to count some things lost and we need to count some things gained. Holy Spirit, help us. Real change. Whew. Real change. Change that only you can make. Change that only you can bring. Lasting change. the cry of our heart, Father. Real progress, Jesus. Real growth. Not a few more flimsy resolutions made in the euphoria of a holiday season, Father, that don't last three days or three weeks. Real change. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Let's sing this together this morning. Let's sing this together this morning. These altars are open for you. I'd love to pray with you this morning. If there's something in your heart, life, family, some situation, maybe with your health, love to pray with you. Believe God for a breakthrough in your situation. Let's worship Him for a moment before we dismiss. Praise God.